This podcast is brought to you by Score Foundation. Hi and welcome to the Purple Highway Conversations. My name is George Abraham. My guest today is an interesting personality. He is from Bangalore. Sandeep Rao is his name. When he stands and speaks, people laugh. When he sits down in front of a microphone and speaks, it gets recorded as a podcast. So, welcome, uh, uh, Sandeep. Thank you, George. It's lovely to be here. And so, uh, Sandeep, golf is something that you've taken up recently, and uh, you happen to be blind. So it's a bit of a scene game. Uh, you know, you need eyesight to see where you're going to be striking the ball. You need eyesight to know where the ball is, and uh, all that. So, uh, how come you took to golf, and how do you actually play golf? Uh, when I get the answer to how to play golf, I let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I started when I was young, when in '96, when I was about 13, 14, and I. So to describe my vision, I have uh, a form of macular degeneration called Stargardt's disease. So I have a, had a little more peripheral vision back then. Uh, and this is when golf was uh, new for youngsters back then. It wasn't a big game for too many young people. But um, back then I could see a little bit of the ball and I could manage. Uh, but I never realized how important that was. I, I would just do it because I... Uh, took a real big liking for the game because it's kind of a game between you and yourself. Even though you're playing on a golf course, yeah. you still have to understand what your swing is doing and how your body is moving and um, even a millimeter or a centimeter of, of, of difference in contact can send the ball 50 yards to the left or right, right? Or even two yards ahead or 200 yards ahead. But um, I stopped for many years because I my sight got worse, I couldn't see the ball, it was frustrating. Um, but then about two years back, uh, Dipesh from Enable India called me up and he said, uh, you know, are you aware there's a format of golf internationally recognized called blind golf, which has three different categories, people who are completely sight, uh, completely blind, people yeah. who are like me, who are um, significantly blind, and there are people legally blind, they're different uh, scoring systems, if you want to call it. Yeah. So we wanted to bring this to India as a format and I said, hey, good opportunity to get back, relearn the game without being able to see the ball. Yeah. And that was a very interesting time because for me it was a chance to get out of the house and spend time with myself doing an outdoor sport, right? Because I uh, did play cricket in school a little bit. I did play tennis before I lost uh, my vision. Um, but I realized then when I took up this uh, for the second time, if you want to call it, in 2021, um, that you can play the sport for as long as you want. There's no retirement age. You can play till you're 18, as long as you can walk and as long as you can talk. Is there any accommodation uh, like no. sound, audio clues and all that? No. So you, uh, in blind golf, are allowed a guide yeah. who's uh, allowed to accompany you, align you to the direction you need to hit, align the club to the ball, 
and give you other uh, environmental information like are you standing above the ball are you in a sand trap are you is there water next to you so like your screen reader moving away from golf uh, when did you first uh, know that you were losing sight or you don't have sight when i was 8 um, as you and i discussed i was trying to find a pretty girl yeah <laughs> and i end up finding a pretty boy and i said something's wrong with my eyes <laughs> i don't know if he's a pretty boy he's a boy that's okay. okay. but uh, yeah it was um, over overnight i lost my central vision uh, to macular degeneration so my entire central vision disappeared overnight my peripheral remained um, degenerating in stages so when i was 8 i could manage i could see the tennis ball or the cricket ball or whatever and um, as you know i entered my teenage years reading became harder first was large font and then even sports became an issue that's why i uh, stopped playing that and then uh, now i'm 41 and my peripheral vision's now dropped to i think 10% of what it was so when you have peripheral vision you actually your face is looking somewhere else while your eyes are looking somewhere else is that's, that correct yeah sighty vision sighty vision yeah so <laughs> can you use sighty things as well <laughs> <laughs> so uh, very often uh, people think that you're looking somewhere else but you're actually looking at them you know it's so strange that the kind of brain compensates so quickly for it so yeah you know i've been called squint eye cock eye yeah, and yeah. but uh you know yeah if you're if you support that's the weird thing right people think it's rude if you don't make eye contact when you're yeah. talking to them yeah. but if i do make eye contact i can't see them Yeah. But if I have to see them, which is polite, I have to see from the side. <laughs> so it's a bit of a dilemma, right? So uh, you're so you're okay talking to me because you can't see me, I can't see. Best, you. right? I just wear glasses now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the IVA National Toll Free Helpline number one eight zero zero. Five three two zero four six nine. The number is one eight zero zero five three two zero four six nine. So, uh, with this uh, eye condition, uh, what was the influence on your studies and your academics? So, uh, I, I grew up in the nineties. So that's when I did my schooling, the eighties. Yeah. So, but nineteen ninety, ninety one is when I got diagnosed. Yeah. So back then, um, you know, the schools in Bangalore were understanding, but they didn't really know what to help with. So I would get extra time. Yeah. Uh, while giving my exams, I would have uh, friends help me with note taking. I would uh, sit in the front row, um, but I think obviously the, the biggest support. through it all was my mom yeah. who would uh, you know uh, read out all the notes she would obviously go to schools and say this is what he needs and kind yeah. of be an advocate for me yeah uh, the whole tech revolution came much later yeah but it was i think for the longest time in the early years when i needed help it was uh, my mom i think a uh, couple of helpful classmates yeah. and then books on tape which was uh, when i did my undergraduate abroad they had uh, the i don't know if the kids here will know but we had all the books on cassettes so if you want to get one textbook it's 40 cassette tapes so you have to have carry a big sack and go around what which book is that it's history you know? <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not very history they throw the tapes in <laughs> so then uh, of course all of you know jaws came into the picture which was amazingly revolutionary uh, and then there was a thing called curzweil reader where you could scan textbooks 
and you would upload it to your computer. And so I'm saying 1990s were books on tape, my mother reading out, 2000s were Jaws, books on, laptop. Books on Jaws, yeah, books on Jaws. Jaws books on Jaws. Um, yeah, from human jaws to <laughs> computer jaws. And then, of course, smartphones came in yeah. 2008, 2009. Yeah. Even earlier, but I had my first glimpse of uh, the uh, the phone built-in screen readers in 2009. And it was amazing because, you know, when I when I would do certain things, being able to respond on the go, you, you can't carry jaws everywhere, right? Correct. But the phone that way has really revolutionized the way you can take work on the go for us, you know, you can send messages to Siri or talk back or send emails or share contacts. Otherwise, I have to memorize every number. Yeah. And um, that's also a good skill. Yeah. But it's an optional skill now. Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, at the age of eight, you lost your eyesight and you found your sense of humor or you had the sense of humor right from when you were born? Um, I don't know. Do I have a sense of humor? I, I sometimes doubt myself. I... I think we all have a sense of humor. I think it's kind of uh, educated out of us. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, there's one designated class clown, right? If everyone yeah. tries to be funny, then the class clown loses a job. Correct. So, <laughs> I think I uh, would say the sense of humor was more of a diffusing me mechanism yeah. to kind of break the ice, to not stand out as the beard blind guy. Yeah. Uh, to also break awkward situations when someone calls you squint eye cocker, you either be big and go beat them up, <laughs> but if you can't find them, who are you going to beat up? Right? So you'd rather crack a joke, then everyone laughs. Mm. So uh, I think, yeah, the, I didn't really look at it as a skill for life or a skill to uh, take to the professional stage, yeah. but it was always there, I think, at some level. I, I like I like humor. I like uh, breaking tension through laughter. Uh, so, yeah. So, when did you first think that you wanted to stand up and speak and give people laugh? Oh, I never thought actually. I was terrified of speaking publicly. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I, I remember, I think in the sixth or seventh standard, they asked me to. There was a class where you do public speaking, right? Yeah. And uh, I think I ran out of the classroom like giggling. Mm. And I was like, this is not, <laughs> this is not my future mm. profession. Uh, 2009, I sort of got on stage for the first time, and even then, I wasn't, I wasn't trained as a public speaker. You know? right. But I think the, the, the here's the nice thing: stand-up is a lot about how you say it, right? Uh, and what you say, of course, is important as well. Yeah. Um, but I think once you get the laughter, the, the confidence of the laughter starts giving you the confidence to speak publicly. Yeah. Because even after one year of doing it, if you have three shows where no one laughs your confidence can go away very quickly. Yeah. So, um, I think the idea of making a room full of people who don't know you, who don't know each other, who come from different backgrounds, with different worries, with different concerns, with different hopes, with different ambitions, but for that 30 minutes or one hour, they're laughing. I think that's a very nice feeling. So, let me put you on the spot, uh, Sandeep. Sure. Uh, I'm giving you one minute. Why don't you make the audience laugh? Wow, thanks, George. This was... <laughs> I'm uh, laughing already. Yeah, yeah. You're, really? Okay, okay, okay. I thought that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have, we have a different audience. I don't know. Uh, upset of me, the school teachers by cracking <laughs> unschool friendly jokes. Uh, you know, here's. Okay, I'll tell you a joke which I did. Um, it wasn't done on stage, but you guys will like it. The kids will like it. Uh, so last year. Uh, in 2022, my wife and I had a baby girl. Um, 
and my wife uh, wanted to have a natural birth. Yeah. So we went to this um, birthing center. It's called a midwife center, right? Okay. Not midlife center. Okay. That's, midwife. that's where I went for okay. my fortieth birthday. <laughs> so I went to a midwife center, and uh, so my wife was in labor for thirty hours. Okay. Uh, short time. Yeah. <laughs> Men should not comment on this, by the way. <laughs> so I, at ten to thirty hours, the doctor calls me, and I, I run to him. I talk to what's happening. Thirty hours of labor. What does this mean for her? What does it mean for me? She says, Sandeep, thirty hours of labor. You know what that means for you? For the rest of your life, whatever she says, just shut up. <laughs> I said, okay, that's a good point. But I, I said, you know what? Let's crack uh, light the environment. It was a little tense, right? Thirty hours of labor. So I said, doctor, you know, I have an interesting to ask you. Um, you know, growing up in school, you know, you you, you work in a birthing center, so you see babies every day. Yeah. But you know, I remember when I was growing up, all uh, the kids in my school were put into different sections. You know, all the arts kids were in A section, yeah. all the business kids were in B section, mm -hmm. and all the kids whose mothers couldn't push hard enough, they went to C section. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, a birthing joke. <laughs> So I almost got banned from the hospital for that joke, but <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's that's sort of where yeah. um, I ended the humor for that day. So your wife had a C-section, or at the end of it, yeah, <laughs> she after thirty hours. <laughs> I think I got pushed out as well. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was a nice one. So when did you get your first call to uh, uh, entertain an audience? You know, here's a strange thing, um, George. I know, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was going to see the, the podcast has changed now. It's a different thing. Uh, you know, people mistake it, right? I've got calls from weird requests. Because it's weird when people, you know, you're, you're sitting with family and then on, you put on a speakerphone and so that. Your Sandeep, how much you charge? I'm like, for what? <laughs> Let's be clear here. So uh, the request, I in fact got one, one of my earlier shows was in the basement of a lady's house between a kitty party yeah. and my payment was mango juice. <laughs> so I was like, my career is going very well. You know? And then the mother-in-law came and said, my daughter was very pretty, no? I said, hey, what kind of show is this? For mango juice, she's not at all pretty. <laughs> but um, my first call, uh, I, did, I, I you know, because stand-up back in 2009, it was pretty unheard of, right? Yeah. Like, like blind golf, it was kind of one of those new chapters you would have said. So you have to call up a place. The future uh, was blind. The future was blind, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you call up, a, imagine calling up a, a cafe or a bar, right? Because typically that's a nice environment where people are chilled out, you have good audio, it's more intimate. And you say, hey, uh, I want to do a stand-up comedy night at your venue. Mm. And then I wait. Wednesday night we get about, say, 60 to 80 to 100 people who come, have a good time, dance, listen to music. And what are you offering instead? Two guys come and speak for two hours? <laughs> no, no, thank you. So we're to make a compelling case that stand-up is a viable form for them as a venue, which will make money. So that took some time, and let me put it in perspective. In 2010, when we had our first room where we did comedy shows, we had two shows a month. You fast forward to 2023, this is 2010, 13 years later. Yeah. In Bangalore alone, we're hitting about 65 shows a weekend. Wow, so that's a huge growth. Yeah. It's not done by one person, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But 65 shows over a weekend, that's yeah. 35 shows a day. Yeah. Uh, so earlier we'd have 60 to 70 people per show, two shows a month. Now 65 shows, there's one person at each show. So it works out pretty well, the numbers. So it's the same number of people going. 
Um, so my first show was a corporate uh, a show at Infosys. Yeah. And that was my last one for two years because I did a joke on Infosys. Uh, yeah. They weren't very happy. They don't. They don't have a sense of humor. If, if, if you want to do comedy, don't work at Infosys. That's my. As long as you set the expectations right. If you're only chasing after fame and the popularity and the numbers, yeah. that can burn you out in one year or even five years. Or even. Uh, but it, you know, there's one thing that you enjoy the process of writing a joke, telling a joke, going to different places, telling, um, that being your primary motivation. But if you are motivated by the outcome, by the achievement, by the recognition, uh, then that can really be a quick end if you're not aware of it. I did it for 11 years before I took a break in 2020. Now it's been almost a four-year break. Uh, the reason for me taking a break is because comedy served two purposes, right? One was, of course, my outlet for humor, my outlet to make people laugh. But also, the biggest thing I think we all like is, which is attention. <laughs> and um, I, I decided to move away from, obviously, because of the lockdown, the online shows were not really intimate and fun, right? So I then took to podcasting because that's more one-on-one, um, -on -one. You yeah. can talk to people from around the world. Yeah. And I think I was at each stage in my life where, you know, my, my daughter's at home now, she's 20 months, I can be at home, not travel like three, four times a month or maybe even more. But to answer your question in one short way, there is no lifespan for a comedian. It's all about how you want to navigate the journey. You can go for as long as you want, as long as you can you have your wits about you, you're funny and you can tell jokes. Um, or in today's day, if you get cancelled, then hey, you're done, you know. So it really depends on the market or you. You said that uh, you took a break from stand-up comedy and uh, uh, took to podcasting. Uh -huh. Now, what exactly is a podcast? It's a relatively new concept. Mm -hmm. So maybe in one line you could tell us what a podcast is and then how did you get on, get on to podcast and how did you move on? And a little bit about, I believe you have done two series. One is a series that you generated for yourself under your own brand and something else you did for Spotify. Mm -hmm. So tell us. So podcasting in a nutshell is a story in audio. Right. That's it. You can tell a made up story. Yeah. Like a crime fiction story. Yeah. You can do an entire series on Indian history or world history or dinosaurs, how they came and they died. You can do a personal conversation like what we're doing. You can do financial news. So any 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 story you have, which is fact or fiction, in an audio format. Now, of course, there's some video elements coming. Yeah. But uh, I did two seasons. Yes, I did two seasons of Life Gone Wrong, which I did with Spotify back in 2020. Yeah. It was the concept being we all experience wrong. That's a given. I think everyone in life will see wrong. Now, do you take that wrong and sit sit and just sit in a corner and say life is so unfair? Or there are people in this room who've taken wrong and saying, you know, it's in my stride, it's hard, but I'll use this adversity to do something with my life. Yeah. So that was conversations with people who've experienced and faced adversity. Spoke with you on that, spoke with uh, other people who've experienced uh, injury, people who've experienced war, people who've experienced um, life-changing accidents and, 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 and also illnesses, people who've born with disabilities, people who've overcome um, relationship issues. So it was quite a diverse set of people. And once that ended after two seasons, I realized that the extension of me being on stage making people laugh was this other thing which was I enjoy talking to people, not 
just for 10 minutes on a superficial level, but going down deeper into what motivates them, what drives them, what sort of shapes their perspective, how they look at life, why they look at life the way they look at it, and also the work they do and how that's an extension of who they are. So I took that uh, along with the format of podcasting to my other show now, which I do call the Soapy Rao Show, which is my nickname, Soapy Rao. And don't is ask that, why. Is that, is that because you're slippery or? Yeah, there's, or some, there, you... there's some prison joke there which I'm not going to talk no, about. No, no, I was, I was about to add a second part. Is it slippery or because you're very clean? Uh, both. Both, okay. Yeah. I'm squeaky clean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carry on. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm presently doing that podcast. It's taken a break in Jan. Uh, but yeah, I've done about 150 conversations with people from around the world. And again, that's the power of technology, right? I can sit in Bangalore, talk to you in Delhi, talk to someone who's doing research in Wales, in Australia, someone who's doing plastic pollution research in Spain, someone who's doing, uh, who's, who's gauging icebergs sitting out of uh, Antarctica. And it's all through Zoom or an interface like Zoom. And that's the true power of the internet, right? Not seeing how many likes someone got on social media. To support our work with the blind and visually impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in. Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in. So, who are some of the <clears throat> names that uh, probably are universally known or well-known uh, that you have actually engaged with on your uh, podcast? There's a guy called George Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, Apart from him, I, I, I know him, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a good guy. Okay. Uh, I've spoken with, uh, I recently spoke with an author from uh, Bombay, his name is Anand Neelakantan. Okay. He's written an entire series on the Hindu epics, okay. uh, the, the Mahabharata and the... Ramayana and he's written books on that, fictional books. Yeah. I've uh, got a couple of other authors from Calcutta, I've got Rujula Das, I've got Meghna Pant, these are the authors. Uh, I had a neuro, not neuroscience, a brain surgeon who had a stroke and she was a witness to her own stroke because she was semi-conscious and she's written a book called Whole Brain Living. Her name is Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor. Okay. Uh, I've got, yeah. So I've got some comedians, I've got Kunal Kamran on the podcast, I've got Atul Katri, Vipul Goel, Aditi Mittal, these are friends and colleagues, so it was, you know, good so, to have them on talk about stand-up. And yeah, I've got scientists, I've got, as I said, scientists, psychologists, psychotherapists, um, uh, behavioral coaches, life coaches, I've got, uh, yeah, I had... Uh, on Life Gone Wrong, I had Firoz from the India Inclusion Summit on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. I had um, Justin Yesudas, who's from Hyderabad. Uh, so when a stand-up comedian speaks to a stand-up comedian, what happens? It's very boring. Because <laughs> you talk about comedy. <laughs> Which show did you do? How much did you get? Where did you do it? It's a very dull conversation. You know, when we blind people have conversation, one-on-one conversations, uh, anywhere in social... Sometimes, you know, you find that somebody will walk up and tap you on the shoulder and say, who are you talking to? There's yeah. nobody in front of you. No, this actually, I'll tell you a story. I did a show for Bosch, the company yeah. in Bangalore. There's a resort called Wanderla, the water park. Yeah. So they booked that and I performed. It was in this courtyard. There were two other comedians. The, my friend who performs first goes up and warms up the crowd, having a good time. I go up second. I'm hearing some laughter. I'm getting warmed up. 
and then I just, you know, suddenly this, everything stopped, right? And I feel a little bit like moisture in my head, and I'm like, what's going on? And I continue, I'm like, you know, a comedian is dedicated to his job, so I continue, I continue. <laughs> then five minutes later, nothing. A minute after, my friends like, dude, you might want to get off stage, they've all gone in and started raining. <laughs> no, don't be. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Sandeep, for uh, being in conversation with me. And, um, uh, and throwing <coughs> the audience here. This is uh, a little uh, couple of flowers which are oh, made by children. It's not natural flower, it's okay. made by some of the children uh, who are connected with uh, this festival. And uh, we have a little uh, token of our love from uh, the India uh, International Purple Festival. Excellent, uh, thank something you. Inside, which is interesting. Thank you. And maybe you could stand up with me and yeah. take a photograph. Yeah. I, hope, I hope you enjoyed the morning as much as I did. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you for the chance and thank you all for spending this hour with us. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by SCORE Foundation.